Uh, currently, we're in our, um, in our series thinking through uh, how the gospel impacts all of life, essentially. Uh, so last week, um, Harley spoke on justification. Uh, the great news um, that we are not Christians based on our effort or how much we could earn it, but we're Christians based on Jesus' death, that he is the one who has saved us and there's nothing uh, else we can do about it. And that's a, a really important truth. And if you missed last week, I'd really encourage you to listen to it. Um, because without getting that right first, coming to sanctification, we're just going to get in a whole big mess. Uh, as we come to sanctification, there's a, a whole load of places across the Bible we could go to. Uh, and we're going to uh, jump around a little bit and, and see what the, kind of the whole Bible has to say on it. Uh, but if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 9 to 24 with me. If you're in a church Bible, it's page 988. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 to 24. And it says this. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do God good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every, every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Uh, So today, uh, as you heard, the topic is sanctification. Uh, and, And as a word, it just means the process of making something holy, making something pure, better. And so for us, we... It's exactly the same. For our sanctification, it is that we would become more holy, uh, more pure. And in this passage, Paul lays out a whole load of instructions, the sort of instructions that sanctified people follow. So if we claim to be sanctified, we do these. That's what sanctified people do. They love their past as well, as it calls us to. They pray without ceasing. They don't quench the Spirit, but they live their lives by the Spirit. Sanctified people follow all of these instructions and more seamlessly. It's a joy. And in fact, sanctified people, they are so good that Paul says in verse 23 that their whole body and soul and spirit will be kept blameless until Jesus comes back. So the goal of sanctification is just that. It is blamelessness. Perfection. And it's not just a standard Paul sets out for the Thessalonians. They're not some kind of super church where they get the highest standard of stuff and we just get you know, easy instructions like turn up to church once every year. 
this is the standard for, for all Christians, for all of God's people everywhere throughout all time. You can't explain this away by just saying context, but God calls us to live to this standard. If you went way back uh, into Leviticus, four times you'd read God tell us, be holy as I am holy. Now that is a huge call. If Marcus Rashford came to me and said, be the best footballer in the world as I am the best footballer in the world, I'd be like, flip, that's a big ask. I'll try my best. But this is God calling us to be holy as he is holy. Perfectly holy. Sinless, spotless, set apart, blameless. Jesus spent a whole bunch of time, three chapters in Matthew, uh, giving instructions for the people and how they ought to live. How they would live holy. How they would live blamelessly. And yet this standard of holiness is not just limited to a list of instructions. The standard of holiness that we are presented to, to strive towards is the person of Jesus. Our standard for holiness is Jesus Christ himself. So if you're a fully sanctified person, you're exactly as good as Jesus. You take up your cross happily, you follow him, you heal the sick, you never sin again, you spend all night in prayer. That's what a sanctified person looks like. And when Paul and others in the Bible, they lay out all these instructions and they, they make that huge claim, they don't attach a huge caveat every time. It's not be holy as I am holy, but obviously I know you can't really be holy, so just try a little bit and then that'll be okay. God isn't asking these things of us in vain. He really means it and he really wants it. For our worship of him or for our love of our neighbor or for ourselves on our own good. This New Testament alone has 1,050 commands for us to follow. But you've probably realized, and I really hope you have, that you can't, you won't, and half the time you won't even want to follow these. How often do we fail to love our neighbor and our hope for our neighbor is just that they're coping fine and they won't bother us? How often is prayer the last thing in the day and we just get to fall asleep during it? And I've come into this church a whole load of times and I can say I've never been greeted with a holy kiss yet. There is a standard that we simply don't reach. The standard is Jesus and we fall miserably short of him and his glory. So then if we think about justification from last week and sanctification from this week, it'd be easy to, to just beg the question, well, what's the point of sanctification then? There's a standard so incredibly high that we fall so incredibly short, but we're still saved. We're still in the kingdom. It's not like an in-out, in-out, shake-it-all-about kind of in. We are in permanently. The door has been slammed behind us. Jesus Christ has saved us. And your sanctification doesn't kick, if it doesn't go well, it doesn't kick you out the door. You are saved and it's a full stop. So why bother? One of the reasons uh, is something Paul kind of identifies in verse 10. Uh, he's talk, he says that Jesus' death uh, was so that uh, anyone who is awake or asleep might live with him. Him being Jesus, not Paul. 
Uh, and he's chatting about the return of Jesus. The Thessalonians were super excited for the return of Jesus. They thought it was basically going to happen tomorrow every single day they waked up. And they were worried that people who had died previously wouldn't get to go to heaven. They wouldn't get to live life with God. And Paul reassures them that even those who have already died, they'll still get to live with God. And the, the reason Paul identifies for Jesus' death was so that, so that people would live with God. And so for Paul, life with God is such a huge thing. It is the kind of the, the ultimate joy there could be that he says that's why Jesus died. And of course, eternity is, is the point at which life with Jesus kind of reaches its climax. Well, there is complete closeness, complete and perfect joy. But life with Jesus uh, does not just start then. Life with Jesus starts the moment you become a Christian. And life with Jesus is the greatest thing anybody could ever have. And so a deeper walk with Jesus, a fuller life with Jesus, a closer life with Jesus is surely an incredible joy. And it is sanctification that leads us into that fullness of relationship with Jesus. Jesus himself said that the pure in heart, essentially those who are sanctified, will see God. In John, Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Obedience to God, our sanctification, leads to having more of God's presence with us. You know, we... We, we come to church and we're excited to be in, God, in God's presence. We sing about it a lot. We ask for it. We pray for it. We long for it. If we truly want God's presence in our lives here and every day, we will walk in obedience to God. And as Jesus continues in that same passage, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. So as we walk closer and closer with God, as we are being sanctified and push more towards Jesus, our desires change. And when our desires change, that makes a huge difference for our whole Christian life. So all those instructions in 1 Thessalonians, they don't look really like boring, they don't look like hard work, they become a joy. The closer we are pushed towards Jesus, the more we desire what he wants. Our will is not just to satisfy ourselves, our will becomes what Jesus' is. And so, sanctified people will look at this list and they'll be like, yes. I want more of this. If these are instructions to how I can worship God and how I can love God, just give me more. I need this. And there's a, there are other motivations for sanctification too. The Bible's littered with them. One of the most inspiring reasons for sanctification to be so important, I find, uh, is a promise that Peter makes in his first letter. To wives, he says, that if you have unbelieving husbands, you can win them to the Lord by your good conduct. By their holiness, by your sanctification, by your blamelessness, you will point your unbelieving husband to Jesus. And he goes on to say, that our suffering for righteousness' sake, our reverence for Christ, will lead non-believers to ask questions about our hope in Jesus. 
That's a bold and that is a huge promise. Because evangelism in the 21st century is kind of hard. It's not as hard as first century because we're not imprisoned and killed here for it. Um, But there are challenges. One of the biggest is that uh, people don't really like authority figures in the 21st century. And so if we were to stand and tell people, well, you're a sinner, you need to come to Jesus, that is true, but people are are mostly not going to listen. But the words of the gospel, we can share them. That conversation starts because people look at your life. People are always watching your life. And if they see a hope that is different to the world, I promise you, and Peter promises you more importantly, that they will ask about it. In a lot of workplaces, you're just like not allowed to speak about Jesus. But people will ask you about Jesus if you live a life that reflects Jesus. If you long for your, for your friends and your co-workers to come to Jesus, then we've got to live holy and obedient lives. And more at a very basic level, our desire for sanctification should just come as a natural result of being in a loving relationship with God. So I imagine uh, folks out there who are married, um, you don't always live just to annoy your spouse. I'm sure like, sometimes it definitely seems that way, but there would be at least some level of desire uh, in you to live in a way that is pleasing to your spouse. You would like to be nice to them, you'd like to show your love for them, your gratitude for them. And as people in a loving relationship with a God, God is the one who said, showed such great love to us that he sent his own son to die for that relationship to happen. And so not in some kind of guilt way, but just out of love and gratitude to God, we should have a desire to show our love for him in our obedience. Now, if the sermon finished there, uh, you'd probably leave um, feeling a bit overwhelmed at everything that we've got to do. Right? There's a standard. It's super high. It is Jesus. We've got to be just like that. And you can't do it anyway, so you're going to mess up. But there's good reasons, so just you know, try a little harder. And if we left and we didn't feel overwhelmed by that, then we've got some wrong thinking about how good we are at obeying God anyway. But there is incredible news. And it's the same news that we heard last week. It is the same good news for our justification as it is for our sanctification. It is the news that God is incredibly gracious to us. Listen to some of Paul's words again in verse 23 and 24 of that passage. He says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I want to share what Paul wrote to Titus on a similar theme as well. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. God's grace doesn't just get us into the door for Christianity and leave us there. God's grace leads us into a fuller and a deeper relationship with him. The gospel is for our sanctification too, because we have no hope of sanctification except to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and to beg for his grace there. That same posture of surrender uh, we adopt when we become a Christian where we say, yeah, I'm not good enough, Lord, I need you. 
That's not a one-time thing. That is an everyday thing. If sanctification is our hope and our desire, then we just got to surrender our whole selves to Jesus. If we think that sanctification is going to happen simply by our hard work and effort, we're really insulting the grace that God has given us. Our primary hope for sanctification is the promise that God makes here and across the rest of the Bible that he will sanctify us. But sanctification is not an armchair ride. It's not a, I'll sit back, hopefully I'll wake up in the morning and one day God will make me just desire good things. It is a battle, a daily battle. It is hard, it's it's the hardest thing you could, you could go to in life. It's a course that you'll never finish until eternity. It's a course where you'll fail day in and day out. So there is God working in our sanctification. He will sanctify us. But there is still a call, a huge call for us to, to strive for it. And it's not kind of like simple equation to work this out. It's not like God does 50%, we do 50%. Or it's not like God fills in the gaps on where we're a bit missing. Absolutely no sanctification will happen without God being incredibly gracious to us. And at the same time, absolutely no sanctification will happen without our striving for it. So it's pretty common in evangelical churches, churches like this, to emphasize only God's work in, in sanctification. But it's a lot more common in the whole Bible for both to be emphasized. One isn't going to work without the other. And so this process of sanctification is, a, is a, mostly a twofold process. There's a leaving behind of the bad, a negative action, and there is a taking on of the good, a positive action. Now, it helps to picture this in a journey. So if for some reason you had to wake up in Dundee one day, uh, and then you headed north on the A90, You'd both be leaving something incredibly bad, saying good riddance, and you'd be heading towards something incredibly good in Aberdeen. In the Christian life, there is a killing of sin, and there is adopting of, an adopting of what God has for us, the fruit of the Spirit. Both of these activities, the killing sin, the adopting of the Spirit, uh, they are the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, so killing sin... Um, this idea uh, primarily comes, so Romans 8, 13 uh, says it pretty well. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, deeds of the body, it's not just some kind of like physical sin, but it's sin in all its forms, in thought, in attitude, in action. And put to death the deeds of the body is the strongest possible way you could put it. It's not a, uh, sin is not just something to be run from for a little while. It's not something to be temporarily put on hold. It's not something to just to be struggled with. Sin is to be put to death. Uh, if you garden, um, you know about weeds. Like So when a weed comes, if you just take out the top of the weed, the weed still grows. It's still there. If we don't tackle sin at the root, if we don't kill sin, if we don't destroy sin, it will continue to have a hold on us. But it's not a process we do on our own. It's not just a, it's not a kill sin and then you'll be good enough for Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is with you and working in you to kill sin in your life. 
Uh, There's a guy, John Owen, a Puritan. He wrote a book called The Mortification of Sin. Uh, It's not that long, uh, but it'll take about eight to nine years to actually understand and digest. Um, But it is really good. I would recommend it if you want to kind of dig more into uh, killing sin. I can give it to you, probably. And as we get rid of sin in our life, uh, something positive happens in that we create room for the Holy Spirit uh, to bear fruit in us. Now, by their nature, these fruit aren't something we have huge control over. They're the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the flesh. God works in us as he wants to, how he wants to, when he wants to. But to walk by the Spirit, which is how these fruit increase, uh, is to be obedient to God. To walk in obedience to him. And that obedience, again, it starts with a total surrender. It starts with falling at the feet of Jesus and saying, take me, use me, mold me, I am yours. And that's an incredibly obedient prayer. That is a prayer that could cost you your life, ultimately. But it's also a prayer that gives the Holy Spirit full license to do an incredible and amazing work in your life. To bring you into a fuller and a deeper relationship with God. To make you more like his son, Jesus. And God isn't shy about lavishing this gift on you. He is delighted when we ask for it. He commands us to ask for it. How amazing that God's commands to us lead us to having more of God in our lives. What a joy. And this whole process, this sanctification process, is a, is a really long journey. For as long as you are on this earth, you will never be as sanctified as you want to be. You know, when you get to heaven, you'll be fully sanctified, but, but this battle will go on for the rest of your life here. And because of that, there's a really great danger of mixing up our sanctification and our justification. This is by far the most important thing that I will say today, is that we have to make sure we put these in the right place. It is an absolute disaster to base our justification on our sanctification. It is a disaster that will ruin your life. And so this year I'm doing more Christian things than I've ever done before. You know, I'm full time here. Uh, I get to help people with their faith. But this year, uh, without a doubt, has been the closest I've ever come to packing it all in. This year has been the closest I've come to just given up. And the reason for that is because, it was back in November sometime, I looked at my sanctification and I just thought, flip, this isn't going very well. I thought by now, you know, I've been uh, coming to church every day now for, you know, a few months. Won't I have reached that point? The point where I've made it? Where you know, my, my primary desire is God. But it seemed like the thing I, I kind of loved the most was just sin, doing my old thing. And I looked at other Christians and I was like, flip, those Christians are really good. They really love God. They really have a heart for so many people. They must have got it. If I was as saved as them, surely I'd be more sanctified. So the problem here is either... Either God hasn't kept his promise that he'll sanctify me, or that he's just not there at all. I tried to have the basis for my whole faith on how sanctified I was. 
And it was honestly the scariest moment, day of my life. What an awful way to live. To be scared to pray because you're not good enough. To hear the news of Jesus return, but just to tremble because you're not sure if you made the cut. But our faith is not based on our sanctification. Our faith is based on the perfect, the fully sanctified Jesus dying on that cross to save us. And Jesus is so committed to it in his relationship to you and to me that he died for it. There's no question of whether God loves you or whether God will keep his promise to sanctify you. He's made that promise very clear because he has died for it. Jesus has died for it. Jesus didn't die for you 2,000 years ago just to give up on you now because you're not doing that well. And it wasn't even just 2,000 years ago God decided to save you. It was an eternity past. Before God made the world, he decided to save you. For all eternity, God planned to save you and to sanctify you. And yet if our faith is based on Jesus dying on the cross, if the story ended there, then we'd have no reason to trust him for our sanctification. If key to sanctification is our killing of sin, how can we have our trust in somebody who was killed by sin? But our hope is not in a, in a dead Jesus. Our hope is in the king that rose again. A king that in, in rising again conquered sin and now reigns forevermore. What better place could there be to run to than to Jesus for our sanctification? He is our hope for our salvation and he is the hope for our sanctification. And as Paul said, may he sanctify you completely. He is faithful. He will surely do it. Let me pray. Lord, your holiness is awe-inspiring. It is beautiful. It is so different and so much better than us. Which is why your grace is just so incredible. Lord, your grace uh, to, to bless us with your presence your grace to send your son uh, to die for us. And your grace to always be leading us into a fuller and deeper relationship with you. And Lord, we beg that you would, uh, you would draw us more to yourself. Turn our minds from sin and selfishness on our own desires and transform them uh, into what you want. May we never uh, give up the fight for our sanctification. But would we surrender our whole selves to Jesus? Amen.